Welcome to the Game Deflators podcast, episode 46. My name is John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody, here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and today we delve deep into the past to discover the origins of the Estes Flask in today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. This is going to surprise a lot of people that were not checking out our Instagram before we started recording and before to release this podcast episode. It was so, uh, stick I, with I us. feel like. I feel like I've gone back in time and really learned where something came from. We actually just saw a video game version of, hey, here's my homework. Copy it, but don't make it look too obvious. That's really what this was. Yep, yep. It's yep. a blueprint from, uh, you know, an unlikely source. In a sense. Not all of it, but some of it. Uh, we'll get more into that a little later. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to talk about what I picked up this week. Yeah, what did you pick up, John? To Tell no, me. To no surprise to anyone, I picked up... V September PlayStation Plus games. That that is my pickup. I was out of town. Uh, if you follow us on Instagram and Twitter, you probably saw me losing or trying to lose money to slot machines in Vegas uh, through our postings. Uh, so my pickups are Dark Siders Three and Batman Arkham Knight. I have not beat. Uh, I think it's past Arkham City, so I'm actually pretty stoked about this. Even though I think I have a hard copy of this game on hand, uh, it's. Kind of nice that I have a digital copy that I can play and not have to worry about putting the disc in. That's what I've been saying. I know, that's what you've been saying. <laughs> but uh, I'm happy to have it twice now. Two times I own this game. Well, there you go. Yeah. Now, did you pick up anything? Uh, no, I'm waiting for next week to pick those up. I didn't want us to both have the same pickups. Okay, that makes sense. So next week, uh, spoiler alert, Ryan will likely have the same pickups as me this week. Yep, yep. yep. So don't copy no my... No surprise there. Don't copy my no homework. No money, Ryan. Don't copy my homework. So next week, when you announce it, you have to say I picked up Batman Arkham Knight and Darksiders 3. So just reverse it so it's not the same. What if I say Batman 3 and Darksiders Knight? Then you'll confuse all of our audience members. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll jump in then in that case to what I am currently playing. Still playing Sukuden 2. I will have that game beat by end of year, I promise you. I did not have a chance this week to play it because I was too busy playing Yonder the Cloud Catcher on the PlayStation 4. We're actually pretty stoked about this one at the end of it. Uh, I would say the ending is lackluster, like it just kind of cuts off and you're like, okay, that's the ending. But the overall gameplay, very much like a Harvest Moon style of game, collect-a-thon in a sense uh, with your missions and having to go find certain things. But it's really cool, the overall idea of building up your farm and collecting different materials to build certain items, uh, the different quests that are tied to the game itself. Uh, you can master becoming like a tailor and master your chef skills and construction skills and everything tailor else. Tailor is not a, like a, not a class, but like a represented a very well represented job in video games from what i've seen you see a lot of you know chef and smith and like probably armor but i don't really see taylor this is interesting so taylor was one of the items and you could get certain items to construct like twine and um create taylor's kits and make different you know outfits and such so there was that but you had construction you had a tinker, which is pretty much like your engineer type of situation. So there's um, a tinker and a tailor. There's a tinker. Is there there's a soldier a and a spy? No. Uh -oh. <laughs> I see where you're going with there. Uh, so yeah, there's a tinker. There's a tailor. Uh, there's a chef. There is a construct or constructor out of like wood products. And then there's one for, or no, it's a carpenter. And then you have construction, which is your brick and mortar. And there was a master. That'd be like a mason. Class. Yeah. It's called construction in there and there was a couple others and you can do fishing in the game and collect different fish uh throughout it sounds pretty robust yeah there's a but lot it going for wasn't it. that long like a lot of those games are seemingly i mean i've never really played harvest moon and i played very little stardew valley but i know stardew valley has an endpoint. did this game have like a hard end or after you beat it did it kind of have like a well you could keep going that's exactly what it okay. did actually so for this one uh, I'm not going to spoil the end for anybody, but uh, you go through and you create the cloud catcher like it's in yonder and you're creating the cloud catcher. And then it has like this ending that, of course, once you get there, you're like, oh, OK, that makes sense. And then they're like, all right, well, always knew you'd be back. And then it just cuts the end credits and you can skip end credits. And the guy you were just literally talking to says, hey, well, uh, thank you for all of your help. There's plenty more adventures and plenty more you can do. Stick around and do more, plant more trees and 
grow more in your garden. Like it's it's pretty cool. Like you can go ahead and finish a game and one hundred percent it, and there's no like you know, at the end, you're not forced to be like, oh, crap, all right, now I've got to start over again from before the final area to go ahead and, and complete the game and then have to do that again. So that was really cool. And overall, we liked it. I would give it an 8, eight out of 10 is what I would say for that one. Maybe 7.5 if I was going to be a little more critical. Good, so, good. Yeah, you should check it out, man. In-game economy, a whole bunch of cool stuff in there. Um I really you know it. how much I love in-game economies, John. Oh, I know you do. Uh, it, it isn't bad, and it's gotta inter- have some coin to put in my coin purse. Did you see the picture I sent you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the in-game economy is kind of weird. I noticed multiple times that I would trade for giant pillars of stone and arches made out of stone for potatoes. Like literally, it would say, "This is two hundred of our old currency." Uh, what can you trade for it? Okay, here's a potato worth 50 of each for the currency. So I was trading like four potatoes for like this giant arch of stone that God knows how long it took and how many hours and how tedious it took. And I just went ahead and picked like five potatoes. Hey, dude, when you want fries, you want fries. I guess, man. So, all right, not to get too deep into, well, I've already gone deep enough, but the next thing we're going to be doing, my wife and I are probably going to start the Silent Hill series. I've just in time for the season just in time for the season yep uh i have played a number of silent hill games in the past but it'll be interesting to start from number one and progress forward with her so we'll see and i understand that pete's silent hills rest in peace silent hills i understand you are also playing something still uh yeah so i not still started last week i had beaten zone of the enders and just watched like kind of the intro animation montage for zone of the enders second runner got me super hyped went and started playing it i'm already like four or five hours into it and it is so different and so much better like the level of stepping up this game took over the previous two and the amount that i understand about the world from having played the previous two i feel like it's really coalescing in this last game that I have to play here and I'm loving it the combat is so much harder and so much faster than either of the previous well the one was a tactical you know RPG so that doesn't really count as fast at all now is it like fluid the controls like you feel good while you're playing with it much more fluid and I did actually have to go back and fix my controller again but I think it's going to hold better this time. Last time I just used a piece of paper. This time I actually used sticker material so that it's going to stay in place. So hopefully that holds up. But the gameplay is pretty much the same. There's a few tweaks here and there. Like your uh, additional weapons that you have actually have much better uses for them. And they're very much uh, kind of zelda e in a way where it's like it wants you to get the item and then use the item in a certain way against certain enemies and establish that as like okay this is my go-to for this situation this is my go-to for this situation and the the ability to actually fight multiple enemies is way more of a thing in this one in the last one it would be like oh no you're getting too close to more enemies and they're going to join in the fight they really just kind of sit around and then one-on-one you like a bad kung fu movie. But in this one, like if you get surrounded or there's, um, I forget the term, but like kind of like a lieutenant person or, you know, frame in the enemy grouping that enhances the abilities of all the rest. It's like really detrimental not to eliminate them first because they will just chunk you down. And I've died so many more times in this game especially in the boss fights and not always for good reasons one of the boss fights took place in this really poorly designed arena and had very specific ways that you could only use to inflict damage there's a lot more conditional victories that you have to do like in order to beat this person you have to do this and if you don't do that and you don't do it quickly you're going to get smoked like over and over and over again unless you're really doing what you need to do because the combat is so much faster. Does it actually, so the conditional aspect of it, 
Are there situations where you might not complete one of the tasks that are tied to that battle, well, and then you end up beating the guy, and it's like, oh no, you didn't finish that task, so no, you don't win. There's so one of the bosses uh, is a throwback to the last game. It's uh, returning characters in a sense. There's an AI built off of Viola, who was kind of your nemesis character in the first game, and proceeds to be in this game as well, and. After you finally kill her for like the third or fourth time in this game, I think probably like the fifth or sixth time overall between the two games, you finally get her down and then her AI program leaves her frame and goes into one of your allies. Now you can't kill your ally, but you have to get the AI out. So the only way to do it is when she goes in to strike you with a melee attack, you have to counter strike several times and then they'll go into like a, a stun mm -hmm. and then you can go up use your grab and start to delete the ai but if you get too far away the ai will just damage the machine and suicide so you have to be in a certain proximity and you only have so much really to work with and the space in the area isn't a really wide open space like the fight just before that one you're in that same space and it's a two layer or three layer circular hallway. So you have a low donut, a middle donut, and a high donut. And it's just three circles and you can't see around the corners very well. And you, it, I don't know. It's okay. The returning characters are great. The new animations are great. They got rid of all of the like 3D character models. And now it's just like anime aesthetic for like kind of kind of like uh it'll show a picture of your face to show a picture of who you're talking to and the lips will move really fast kind of like Star Fox. Oh, well, but they're anime 2D drawings. So kind of like uh in a sense like Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. And it is a Kojima game. So, you know, you could see where that rings through there. But uh I love the callback to the first game. They brought back the first game's protagonist into this one. You have a fight with him very early on where he's trying to get back Jehudi, which is the main suit from these two games. And uh, he's in a, like a really cool new frame that transforms into like a starfighter, and it's the Vic Viper. So that's a throw out to, uh, what is it? Uh, what is Vic Viper from? Now I'm drawing a blank. You're drawing a blank. I don't even know who Vic Viper is. Vic Viper is the ship from Gradius. Oh, I and, gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, as you're fighting him, uh, he has, like, options that come out, and he does, like, all kind of, like, the Gradius moves. It's a really fun, high-energy, intense... Everything in this game is so, like, high-energy and fast movement, and it's really a lot more twitchy than the last one was, and it makes me a lot more engaged. I've had way more fun playing the first few hours of this than I think I had playing both the other games put together. And how I'm long excited is it, to get How long it. is this one? Um, let me see. I think it was like 4 or 6 hours you said? That was the first one. Let's see. As Ryan looks it up on our favorite website howlongtobeat.com. Is that correct? Yes. Uh Just be sure you don't google out veta.com on it. Or just google it first. How long to beat? Zone of the Ender is the second runner. Uh, about six and a half hours. So yeah, it's really about the same time frame as the first one. So I should be able to knock this one out pretty much in no time. I'm hoping if I can get to it, maybe by next week or the week after at least. Gotcha. I'm making progress. I've already beaten two games. Dude, I feel you're... so accomplished. I mean, I've beaten numerous games this year. Just not the game I need to beat. That's been my issue. Yep. So and then we're starting a new one here in the next couple of days. So... We'll see how it goes. Uh, all right. Anything else on ZOE? Uh, nope. Just uh, looking forward to playing more and getting through it. All right. Well, I'll open up our next section with a nice quote, Ryan. And that quote is, In order to address these long-range plans, we are moving away from the acts of structure for updates. Instead, we have additional seasonal updates planned for this year that we think players will enjoy. That's right, folks. I'm talking about Anthem. So that is a quote from uh, head of live services, Chad Robertson. So 
if you haven't heard, uh, Anthem, they launched their first act three months late in August, Cataclysm. And uh, I guess the Anthem players have been having a good time with that, the people who are still playing it. Well, bad news. It's over in a week. There's no real indication if it's going to be sticking around and considering it's the most fun thing to do in the game. At least that's what people are saying. You know, that's a shame. But even worse is the fact that Bioware is completely abandoning their whole roadmap that they came out with. Their promise of, hey, we're going to keep making content for this game. It's going to come out. Here's how we're going to do it. That's all gone. Now they're going to do this seasonal content, whatever that may be. And at the time of this announcement, they didn't have anything else to say. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what's scary for Anthem players and anybody that invests in that game. And what really frustrates me about this whole thing, dude, is when he says, we're going to have updates planned for this year that we think players will enjoy. They're enjoying Cataclysm. Why are you getting rid of that? Like, make that just a mainstay on the game itself. People are enjoying it. Your user base has increased because of that. Like, continue supporting that and then put out another update for, like, another type of gameplay. Like, people will like that. But well, it just seems like a, a poor decision on their part. And uh, I think overall gamers are absolutely going to hate this direction. Yeah. And that quote, that's from uh, an update on BioWare's blog. We actually got an article from, who is that? Paul Tassie, senior contributor for Forbes. Yeah. So I agree with a lot of what he has to say in this article. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about it. And I think that the biggest problem I have with this is just something that I've seen a lot of lately and we've talked about before is just that how is it that none of these people in these positions making these announcements have looked enough into what other people have been saying and how they just get taken down on the internet for using vague language that doesn't really help and they just get flamed online like have somebody develop like a real statement with meaningful information that's going to hopefully assuage some of the you know bad will that's already becoming your way especially after their rocky history and launch like they've done enough negative stuff that they really should have thought long and hard about okay we're getting rid of something we already promised so that's gonna be bad let's say it in a way that doesn't make it sound like well we don't know what we're gonna do but things will happen. Like, you could do better than that. You could be smarter than that. You're like a million dollar, a multi million dollar company. It's Think about it and write like something that wasn't your first draft. It sounds to me like they're going to be sweeping this under the rug over a period of time. So they're three months late on the Cataclysm release. They're saying right now, well, we don't have any immediately, plan immediately planned items, but we have some stuff gamers are going to like. You're a week away from this ending. It sounds to me like they're going to be late on this other item, probably even later. And as gamers begin to drop off and start going to other games, they can just kind of slowly slide this under the rug and be like, well, this never happened. You know, we'll move on to the next game that we're going to launch. And it sucks, well, man. And that's a thing, too. They are going to have to start moving some people from that site over towards working on their next title, uh, which should be Dragon Age 4. Yeah, and it just sucks, dude, because Anthem looks so promising when I first saw trailers and such for it. And I was really excited to, to actually look into playing that. And all of a sudden, all of this other crap started going down. I was like, all right, well, guess I'm not going to touch base on that. And he does say in the article that they do want to kind of pull back and focus on fixing some core issues with the game. And so the I whole just, game? I just don't think that's an excuse. Like, you had all the time in the world to make a good game you know you had all the money in the world you could have done something that you know wouldn't have been as big of a you know nightmare for you and wouldn't have all this blowback if you had actually finished a game and put it out with all the features that were intended to be there and not this big open world for people to spend money on random shit like you know make an actual game and then maybe I'll have some some sympathy for, you know, the late schedule or like, oh, your game isn't great. You want to make the game good for the players? I appreciate that. But those people spent good money on that game. 
and now you're taking away the promise that you made of how you were going to make it good and you're scaling back even more i just i don't think that this is going to be the like live service that was going to run forever that they originally talked about i mean i remember when i heard about destiny for the first time and it was like oh this game's going to have like a 7 year life cycle it's going to be a game that you keep coming back to and keep coming back to and I was like, that's super fun. And I played like a hundred hours of Destiny in like the first month, month and a half of it. And then they were like, okay, well, you know, DLC, you want to buy it? And I didn't want to buy it. I was like, I thought this game was going to keep going. And then now I got to buy this. And then Destiny 2 came out. I was like, okay, well, now I need a new game and a new console to keep playing this game that was supposed to be good for seven years. Like I'm over it. I'm already over it. We're in like the second generation of live service games and the market's already falling out from under it. Yeah. And uh, with these games in general, so uh, Anthem and it's whole, you know what it was supposed to be. It just, like I said, man, it really sucks. And I've brought this up in the past. I would much rather wait a year, a year extra for the developer to, have a, a fully fleshed out game with no glitch. I mean, you're going to have glitches, but no obvious glitches that are occurring. Better than you know? Bethesda launch, at least. Yeah, exactly. Better, like an actual well, intact that, game. That bar is so low. I mean, anybody can be above that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I would I would rather, I'd even pay more money. And don't quote me on that, developers, but I, yeah, I would probably... Nobody ever accused John of having to pay more money. Yeah, I would honestly rather pay more money to have a fully fleshed out game that was complete from the very get-go, day one launch, than I would waiting for patches, having to download day something... Day one patch. Yeah, day one patch of like six hours before I can play the damn game, like that type of stuff. Like, I would rather not deal with that right off the bat. It's okay to have like little patches here and there to clean up bugs. But if you're doing like full-fledged patches because something is broken in the game, that's absolutely ridiculous. It's, and I get there's deadlines and things that need to be met, but then don't set the bar so high or don't set the expectations to a point where you can't achieve that before launch or push it back a couple months and say, hey, we're going to go without this feature. We'll, we'll put a patch in like a couple months from now. Like, Stop screwing with us on day one for all these huge patches and then throwing in DLC down the road that probably should have been included in the actual game. So we'll see where uh, where they wind up next with this. It just seems like it's like Fallout 76. Like we haven't heard anything about Fallout 76. So I hope that means that it's turned around and people are having fun with it because I, I want people to have fun. I think Game Grinder and I think it was Corpse Flood Gaming who who we follow on uh, Facebook and YouTube and such. So check them out if you haven't. Uh, I believe they both play Fallout 76, if I'm correct. And I want to say they said they enjoyed it. So if people are having a good time with that now, that's great. And I'm, I'm not saying that people haven't had fun with Anthem, but this doesn't look promising. We'll see where it winds up. You know what does sound fun, Ryan? The Apple Arcade. You wouldn't know, John. I wouldn't know. Because I don't have Apple products. <laughs> but uh, that being said, Apple has released its uh, Apple Arcade. It is a sweet $5 per month. And it opens up with, it's supposed to have 100 plus games this fall Yep. on it. And uh, and looking at them, dude, like that one of uh, the floor is lava. I forget the technical term in a game, but like it's the floor is lava in a video game. And you can use uh, different features of your iPhone and I think the iPad. Uh, to be able to get different viewpoints within the game itself. Yeah, kind of like looking through a VR window. Yeah, yeah, so that was pretty cool. And then A lot of like... the games that we saw there, we saw like a sizzle reel for like a 100-second recap of a bunch of games, and all the games looked sharp. They all looked very visually distinct, separate, you know, whole different, like there's got to be something in there for everybody, which is what they're going for. We want five bucks a month from everybody there's got to be a game that you'll play in here, at least one. For sure. I mean, if you look at most mobile games nowadays, it's like a dollar to five dollars on, $5 on average, right? for something right? decent. Yeah, right? So something now... Something not going to pummel you with ads. Exactly. And now you're going to get no ads, and that's one of the notable things that they've mentioned on here, so there's no advertisements, and it's five bucks a month to have a library of games that you can access. It's I like think the, that's pretty sweet. the Xbox Live Games Pass, but for Apple people only. Yeah. And... It was a, it's a good idea. I think that it's interesting that you have, you know, the iOS market, which basically introduced mobile gaming to the world in the sense that we know it now. And 
you know, there are exclusives. These are all going to be new exclusive games just for Apple. So, you know, anybody who's out there on Android, good luck. Go get an Apple thing, I guess, if you really want to play these games and pay five bucks for them. I mean, it's probably not a good deal to go buy an iPad to buy $5 worth of 100 games. But whatever, you know, if if it gives people a good, fun environment to play mobile games and their quality mobile games, I'm all about that. I'm all about getting away from the the last mobile games I tried to play was Space Invaders. No, 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 no. Before that, like I tried one of the like, oh, this is the new thing. I think it was Honkai Impact or something like that. And it was a great looking game. But anytime I go into a mobile game and they have to tutorial me through all the different currencies and how I can like make this random thing and then destroy it and use those bits to build this and equip this but and wait, you put Ryan. three commons into the silver and it becomes a gold, all that garbage. Hey, but the easier thing is just the tutorial says, here's where you input your credit card information. Yeah. You could skip all of that and just give us direct, you know, money directly. So you don't have to work for it. Yeah. And that's just all stuff that I'm sure a lot of people enjoy all those management systems for resources. But that's just a long pitch for spending money, and I'm not into it. The one thing that I really drew from this, though, that I... I don't know. I don't know if this is too cutting edge. I don't know if this is too weird. I think Steam could do this. I think Steam could take a look how iOS has this wild west of their games marketplace where anybody who can make a game and send it to Apple and it gets approved, it gets on there, and you know they can monetize it however they want. They can do all that. Now there's going to be another safe place you can go to on your iPhone that has a curated list of quality controlled things. And I think that Steam could kind of use this as a way to combat Epic instead of, you know, Epic going out there and poaching all these games that are already coming into, you know, the field being pitched as, oh, these games, you know, you pre-ordered these before Epic was even a thing and now you're kind of getting screwed. Well, Steam could use this in a way to say, okay, we're going to make a separate list that's like a monthly subscription thing and kind of use it to fulfill like the Steam green light goal, like have good quality games that are supported by the community. You know, you know, you could vote on a game and if it gets into, oh, this is going to be in the Steam arcade, part of that $6, $5 a month that you're spending on that subscription will go towards devving those games that would be early access, you know, you could keep all these things that Steam does, but get away from the part of Steam that's just this mountain of whatever. You know, uh, what you're pitching, though, is, I don't know, it kind of hurts because it's just a thought of additional subscription services, like yeah. just another subscription service. And I think we're going to be so inundated with those over the next several years. We really will I mean, be. we already are for yeah. the most part. But it's going to be absolutely ridiculous in the next few years because most likely Steam will do something like that, followed by Epic. You already have EA doing it. I think Ubisoft is supposed to be doing it as well. If oh, I'm Rockstar came out with a launcher. Really? So, I mean, it's not like a subscription thing, but Rockstar came out with its own launcher. And if you download it, you get like San Andreas for free or something. But it's like everybody's starting to go away from, you know, these big, robust media conglomerates i mean except for disney but you know these places i guess it's not the media conglomerates it's really the place where you get your stuff they're starting to fragment from where you can get it to go into okay you want this specifically well we'll charge you way less than you would have paid before but it's just another piece of the pie every now, time i really hope that subscription services um are just a, a piece of the overall gaming atmosphere in the future. Like, I think we still need physical games. Even if we get away from physical and we have digital downloads only, at least the ability to play the game whenever I want and purchase that game individually versus a streaming service. I just don't want to... I mean, I don't buy that many new games in a year as is. I buy a lot more used games. So for me, as a consumer, if I have to decide between... And I'll give an example of the streaming services right now. Uh, if I want to watch Seinfeld in 2021 on a streaming service, it has to be through Netflix. They paid $500 million to pick up Seinfeld exclusively. It's not even that good of a show. Oh, shut up, John. So <laughs> so they want to have Seinfeld exclusively, right? All of their other shows like Friends, Office, all those other things 
are going over to NBC through their exclusive network. You have Warner Brothers, I think, has their own exclusive network. Uh, you know, obviously, Google's got their Stadia service. You have Amazon with their service. Like, everybody has a service nowadays. And at the end of the day, I don't want to deal with having to go to different services to pick up different games. It's just ridiculous. I think, like, the a la carte system on that is absolutely ridiculous. You're going to get to a point where you're paying, you know, 30, 40 bucks a month to have all these games you can play, and you're maybe going to knock out three games a month. Like, really? Like, I can purchase three or four indie games in a month and play those and be okay for the rest of the month. So it's a little frustrating. I just hope it doesn't go to that direction, like, for everything. Yeah. So, uh, uh, one other thing to point out, though, dude, uh, the one thing I really liked about this Apple Arcade is, uh, you know, it seems to be a really good option for indie developers to get their name out there and get products out in the market. I mean, they've done it with the Apple iOS for years already. Uh, we had talked about before EA having their own indie development type studio, right? Or, or their We're own department. We're not the bad guy. We're not the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, listen back to that episode. I think that's what it's titled. And, um, you know, Epic Games has, you know, a nice package for developers to come in and put their games on their system. It's a better package. Uh, Compensation-wise. Better money. Yep. Overall, better than uh, Steam. So that's that's really an introductory type of thing for Epic, it seems, to try and bring in those developers and obviously well, enhance their product. You want these people that are making great new games to not have to mortgage their house to do it and to be able to make a second great game no matter what. So that's kind of where I'm getting at, man, is like at $5 a month and there's no advertisement dollars at all, I mean, do they have in-game transactions like i didn't catch that if some of these have in-game transactions or what i would wager that these are probably i mean i don't know <sighs> because the floor is lava is obviously not going to be like a big giant game but like the the one with the girl who's in the story but you're also writing the story that seems like a longer form i'm sure it'll be a mix of like action shorter games and then some longer form games so It'll probably have people all across the development cycle for as far as like how long those titles really need work and how in-depth they are. Well, so we know that uh, the developers themselves, like Apple helps them out initially, like they do help pay for development fees and such, which is nice. So you don't have to mortgage a home. But how much are they getting at the end of the day? Like five bucks for a streaming service? There's not a lot of money to go around for a hundred plus games. I mean, well, I'm that. sure that I'm sure that apple i mean they're getting these games exclusively so i'm sure that you know they're almost like publishing the game at that point like they're paying a studio money to develop a game that will only be released on their platform i mean this is making iphone into like a distinct platform with a distinct subscription service of games like it's going to be something that's unavailable anywhere else but i guess I perceivably would, forever i would really want to see at the end of the day kind of like that episode that we talked about with epic and steam and the compensation aspects of that i'd like to see how that breaks down for five dollars a month on this because obviously on epic they're purchasing the game and epic gets x percentage and they get x percent and then there's sales and guaranteed well numbers, that's what right? i'm saying like they're not going to the studios are not going to get a portion of everybody's five dollars a month because they're going to keep adding games to this and they're not going to keep cutting the pie down apple's just probably saying hey we'll give you you know yada yada thousands of dollars to make this game we'll put it all on our platform and that's done there and then apple's going to recoup what they're paying them through the monthly service fee that service fee is not going to be passed on to them afterwards well i guess i would want to know exactly well here's the thing though as a developer is that even something i would want to do if it's enough to get your game done and sold and then you know but then where where am i as a developer making money for my livelihood at that point like i'm not getting any recurring... probably making another game for them or I, going I on and getting publishing money from somebody else to make another game somewhere else Kickstarting a second game once your name is out there and you're on this curated list because once those devs have made those games for the Apple Arcade, people who play those games and like those games are going to want to know who made it and what they're working on next, and that's where they'll get. You know, I I don't know exactly how yeah, it works. I, I would I would want to see a package because we'll I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Like if you're a developer and I'm Apple and I say, hey uh, Ryan, I'm going to give you a hundred k to go ahead and make this game. You might say, okay, cool. 
That's great, Apple. Thanks. You might only use 50K of that and you keep the other 50K. To make your next game. Maybe that's how it would work. But what if it's in a sense of we're going to give you all the the 100K to develop the game and that's it. And then you get no residual income down the road from this. That's where I'm kind of curious as to how this works. And it's a super low price point. And it just seems like it's too good to be true. And that this is going to be more of an introductory thing. And Apple's going to skyrocket the price down the road. I, I don't know, man. It just, it seems off to me at that we'll price point. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see it, where it's it new. goes. We'll see what happens. Um, well, that being said, and other new things that are coming out, uh, there Another has, slice of the pie. Another slice of the pie. This one's actually really cool, though. I like this. So we were reading an article about the Venn Network, which is pretty much the video games. V-E-N-N. Yeah, V-E-N-N, Venn. And it is via Video Games Entertainment Network. And the entire idea of this is to be like the ESPN of video games. You have your esports, you have your general gaming, really a way to bridge casual gamers and hardcore gamers and put them onto one channel, in a sense. And um, what do you think about that, man? I don't think it's going to work because, really? no, I think that these things are already very well handled and because they're. I mean, G4 TV went under a while ago, and I think that YouTube and Twitch and the internet at large has really readily addressed this issue. I don't think that we need some corporation putting up all these, you know, I, I would, I'm not saying that I wouldn't love to see creators get a good budget and go to somewhere as an alternative to these. I think that that would be great. But I just don't see a future where people are going to watch an ESPN-like network for competitive gaming. But it's and just I don't not, think that it's not casual only gaming, competitive gaming, though. Well, I just think that gaming is so diverse. Like, sports people that watch ESPN are generally people who like more than one sport. Like, people that are just into baseball... They'll get literally everything they need from baseball from watching baseball. Like, they don't need to know all the other things going on around the world and that. And I feel like people who are focused in games and actually want to watch content on games are most likely already getting their source from somewhere. I like Dota. I'll go to Twitch and watch the Dota streams because it has the broadcasters that I already like already doing their thing while i would love those people to get more money and i would love more exposure for the sport i just think that it's not going to be best served somewhere else especially when the time commitment i mean watching dota isn't like watching monday night football it's like watching sunday football for two weeks in a row like it's nine to thirteen hours for two weeks like that's not something that shares network time like you're not going to get a lot of like i'm just going to tune in and see what's going on for a half hour because i guarantee you anybody who doesn't play call of duty is going to see call of duty and turn it off they're not going to be interested in watching it if it's not a game that they're interested so in. i'll give you this example and this is for me as a sports fan whenever i am watching x games that's not, I don't keep up with those types of sports, right? It's not something that I typically would watch. But when X Games is on, I have a vast interest in sitting back and seeing the different things like a half pipe for skateboarding or half pipe with BMX bikes or motocross, whatever it might be. I'll sit back and I'll watch that for a while. Street skateboarding, like, I, I love watching that stuff when it's on. And it is explained in such a sense that when you're watching it occur, you're like, okay. I haven't seen this in over a year, but the way that they announce and the way they talk about it, you get engaged and, and you feel like you have a lot more knowledge while watching it, right? I can see something like this becoming that. Like, if there's if it's done correctly, if it has the right backing, which so far it does. You have co-founders from Twitch and uh, Blizzard that are tied to this, as well as folks from Riot Games. So there are industry members that are tied in the development of this. If this gets, and it already has about 17 million backed, it's a huge piece of a market overall. I mean, you're looking at a $70 billion market in gaming. I mean, it's just growing as it is. And if this gets picked up by like a Disney, for example, because Disney does own ESPN and does cover esports, if Disney were to pick up this network and continue forward with just a straight up gaming network, 
that you could watch, and it would be tied to your standard cable provider with your commercials and everything else. See, I would I, also I, wager that people who are watching this type of content are already have their outlet, aren't going to pay more to get a watered down version of something that they've already sought out and enjoyed. Like most people aren't going to stick around and keep being a yeah, fan of something if they're not already engaged. There's no are exclusivity engaged. though. Like how did you watch Dota this year? I watch it by the stream that broadcasts it. Okay. I watched like the American so, stream broadcast. Say the American stream exclusively gives their right to streaming of the Dota finals to they can't the do network. that. Why couldn't they? Because Dota is owned by Valve, and Valve made it so that it cannot be... So you don't think Valve would be down to get multiple no. millions of dollars no, to get Valve, exclusive... Valve went against that. They told broadcasters, you can't strike independent Twitch streamers from broadcasting this. They want as many people to be able to sit at their desk at home, hook up a microphone, and cast the games themselves. They want it to be... Something for the players. No, I'm talking about the Dota finals. See, the end of the day, like no, the, what you're streaming. At the end of the day, the people on Twitch, you or I, we could broadcast the Dota finals. Well, they don't want one person to be like, this is the only place that you can watch this. They want everybody to be able to watch it from anybody that wants to show it. So you don't think Valve, if they were offered, say, $30 million exclusively to be able to allow Venn Network to stream the Dota Finals exclusively on their network, you think Valve would turn that down? I don't think it would be worth $30 million because well, that's just, less I'm than the prize money. Hypothetical money here, like from advertising dollars and everything else that could be tied to is you don't think a company like Valve would exclusively no. offer no, because that there's to the Venn only... Network? There's still only a few hundred thousand people that are watching and they're watching from all over the world. You're not going to get enough people subscribing to that service to watch it. Like if a few hundred thousand people watch it, you'd be lucky to get 10,000 people to actually pay for this service to watch it. So well, now it would... your audience cut rather than having hundreds of thousands of people. Now you've got maybe a, couple thousand people watching it like that doesn't that doesn't work you want as much exposure as possible i oh, mean i think this can be something that that actually works i think if they like i said if they get the right backing and they get somebody uh, to put in enough funding and the right type of company behind it cable's like it's already dying i know cable's dying and that's why we have things on you know streaming services obviously coming up out that of nowhere already covering it i think yep. the market's covered that'd be like saying i'm gonna I don't know, like start my own whatever HGTV. Like I'm going to go find two guys that flip houses here and I'm going to put it on Twitch. And because it's free, people are going to watch that over the Property Brothers. I mean, we could start that, Ryan. I don't think it'll work. I don't think it'll work either. Well, we'll see. Market's I, cornered. I hope it works, man. I would like to see a gaming network actually succeed and grow in the current state I would of like gaming. to see it succeed if it took people who already are the people that we want to see like I would love like I said before I would love to see people that I already like and I already think have done this themselves get the opportunity to make something even better than what they can make now because they would have better funding I would like to see that but I don't necessarily think I want to see a big corporation come in and be like, let's just throw some faces up here that test well and have them talk about stuff they don't really like. Well, I wouldn't say that they would go that route. I mean, I think they would find the right individuals. You would find people that are in the industry that would be your your faces. You know, I, I don't see even I mean, Disney does it very well themselves when they host different types of like BMX and, you know, because ABC is obviously owned by Disney when they host the X Games and such on there they get people that are retired that have done this for years to speak on it. I could see them doing something like that for, if they were to pick this up, something like a Venn network where it's, we're going to pick up these developers that worked on these iconic games and they're going to be the ones talking about it. And like, they have a vested interest in the industry and what's going on. Like I could see it being successful. I hope it's successful. Uh, we'll see what happens, but that, that's really where we can leave it at this point. I mean, it's really a, a startup at this point. So. Well, lots of uh, lots of let's wait and see how these things progress this week. It's all potential news.
Well, except for uh, it was pretty much all future news. But we'll, we'll see what goes. No, we'll see what I tomorrow mean, looks like when all of these things have matured. Yeah, right. No, Apple Arcade is current. Well, it's still growing. It's not a hundred games yet. True, but you know, Bioware and their dumpster fire of Anthem is current. Well, something that everybody else is looking forward to, Halloween coming up soon. Right now, it's retail Halloween, folks. And you know what retail Halloween means? It means that we've already put up decorations in the studio of the Game Deflators. Oh, yeah. No, we really haven't. I don't have Halloween decorations. Uh, but what Ryan is talking about is Nightmare Before Christmas, Oogie's Revenge. So we played that this week. This game was... Uh... It was definitely Nightmare Before Christmas. I could say that much for sure. The music, the visuals, the singing was pretty close. Well, so when my wife walked in and was sitting back and uh, watching us play it, she was like, this is like Kingdom Hearts. Like it's laid out exactly like Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, yeah. It's very reminiscent. We've been to this world before, whether it's been the movie or Kingdom Hearts, we've all been to uh, the place where Halloween uh, Town. Yeah, well, I was going to say where uh, holidays come from. Oh, the trees. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't get to go there right away. Well, and the thing is... There was a Thanksgiving Day tree. There was an Easter tree. There was also a Valentine's tree. We didn't get we'll there. We'll never see. It's it's the movie that wanted a sequel so bad, they made a sequel, and but it was a game. So this game was actually uh, developed by Capcom, published in America or NA by Buena Vista Games, but in Japan and EU by Capcom. And uh, surprisingly enough, also it released in Japan a year before it went international. So this was like a Capcom original Japanese game, which is so crazy. Like I didn't know that Nightmare Before Christmas was so big in Japan. I thought that was just Hot Topic. <laughs> oh man, uh, that that was perfect. Yeah, yeah, Hot Topic and uh, Teenage Girls Bedrooms. So this was, the the game did not have great reception when it came out. It's like five, six out of ten kind of range. And I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. And then once we got into it, we learned the true origin story of the Estes Flask. Dude, Jack's Crystal Skull. It's like... It's basically an Estes flask mixed with uh, Crystal Skull Vodka. That's really what it ultimately is. Uh, no, seriously, dude. The Estes flask... Uh, well, uh, God, I'm going to keep calling the Estes flask now. It's pretty much an Estes flask. Like, the way that you heal in the game. Unfortunately, you don't have a little doohickey on the bottom, like a menu that you can automatically activate it and heal, which sucks tremendously. But it's still an Estes flask. And you can get different components to create more Estes flasks throughout. So... And it's uh, it's kind of jank. It's got some of that PS2 era jank that I think we all remember. You're talking the, about that camera angle, the camera angle, the uh, you know mid 2000s PS2 look and feel to it. But it was really fun. I had fun. I think that it was a good time for what we spent with it. Uh, we did the first boss pass, which is against Oogie's Shadow. Shadow Oogie. Not to be uh, confused with Shadow confused Ganon. With Shadow Ganon, yeah. But it had a great, like, it's a pretty simple action combat. You know, just a couple buttons, just a couple moves, but enough to really give some life to Jack's animations. Like, at first I thought his movement was pretty slow and stilted, but... The way that he walks with those long spindly legs and then the way that he like dives and leaps when you use the dodge button and spins and there's a whole segment to the boss battle where you hit them and they drop music notes and then you go into like a music number to do damage. It was really a lot of Nightmare Before Christmas gamified in a way that even uh, Angela said was really well done compared to a lot of movie adapted games or well yeah movie adapted games movie I adapted, mean, it actually well yeah. it was and to your point it wasn't it game adapted movies game adapt no it movie adapted movie I'm adapted confused. games okay I would think I got backwards games based on movies yes that's what it is so 
Yeah, I mean, she pointed out too, like it actually visually, it wasn't too bad. Gameplay wise, it worked. The camera angle definitely sucked. But in a sense, I'm kind of happy that it didn't have a camera angle where you were twisting around and such. Like it always kept it focused on your character. Now, it did kind of suck whenever an enemy got behind you know, got the camera behind you or behind the camera you're like okay where are they yeah now i need to try and figure it well, out and you could kind of see they accounted for it a little bit like jack's head would turn and look towards who whichever yeah. enemy was closest and if you so hit, you could see him looking towards the camera you knew approximately where at least the closest enemy well was. and if you hit square he would automatically start attacking in that direction yeah. so that was kind of cool too it was kind of an auto lock in a sense where you know if there was a car an enemy in range, he would attack that enemy versus the primary one on screen, which was super helpful at times. And the weapon, too, you get this, uh, what was it, the soul robber? Yeah. Is like the weapon he gets. It's a long thing. ectoplasm kind of like... You remember those hand splat things that you would get out of the 50 cent machines that like were sticky and would slap the wall? Yeah, that's exactly what it was, man. It's basically one of those, and... He goes and he gets it from the professor and it feels kind of in universe like it. It would be out of place in the movie. Yes. But as giving a weapon to Jack, I feel like it's kind of interesting enough and works well enough that I like it better than he's got a battle axe now or uh, an umbrella or something like there's of all the weapons you could have given him the way this one looks and kind of feels fits in and even like the music it uses a lot of music from the movie and then it'll take some of that music and change the words and turn it into a dance battle and it fits and even though we had to redo the boss fight because we didn't fill our estes flask the first time uh doing it a second time it didn't get old and grating and really make me hate it no and actually when you're like yeah i think we got enough out of this that we can do a nice discussion on i was like oh but i wanted to keep playing like uh, we had just the i forget the kid's name with the black and white shirt the short one the little zombie kid yeah the little zombie kid so yeah we i ended up being able to talk to him finally he's like oh did you know the witch's shop is open now mm -hmm. i passed by the witch's shop five times and it was closed after i talked to him it's magically open and you know there was a whole cut scene and everything jank. tied ps2 to that. jank ps2 jank exactly uh, so there's a whole cutscene tied to that, and I was actually like excited to move forward and progress in the game. I don't know how this would be over several hours of gameplay versus our standard 30 to 30 minutes to an hour, uh, but I liked it from what we did play, man. Yeah, I did too. So this game is, uh, we played the PS2 version, and the PS2 version is complete in box, 1912, peaked at 29.99 back in March of 2014 and it's kind of flattened out right now but this game is weird for some reason it shoots up about every 6 months so we're right before one of those turns so if this is a game that you know everybody is like oh it's starting to become halloween time maybe i want to get a game maybe that has something to do with it like cuz it does have that kind of seasonal trend but then it has like a mid-season trend where it's like it sells out, then everybody buys it again and then sells it again and then buys it again before Halloween. So you get two times a year where it's up and two times a year where it's down. It's down now. If you want to play this for Halloween, or you want it complete in box or loose, they both follow the same trend. Now, the loose, that's 1387, peaked at 2508 in December 2018. And that's starting to turn now, too. Now... Personally, 1387 sounds a lot better than 20 bucks, you know, 14 bucks versus 20 bucks, but I don't think I would ever buy a PS2 game without a case. Uh, who wants a loose PS2 game? That's ridiculous. I don't know. The amount of people on Craigslist will tell you otherwise. Um, so this particular game, I know I picked it up when it was probably... You got it for 10 No, I didn't get it for 10 That's just what the sticker says. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a flea market pickup. I picked that up for about four or five bucks back then. Now, the sticker on there is from a shop I used to work at. Uh, and yeah, we did sell it for 10 but we sold a lot of stuff for $10. It was 6 and $7 at the time. Now, I've come across several copies of this in the past. I've sold every single copy around that 20 to 25 dollar mark i have no idea why it sells for that much 
I it, think it's okay. I think it's more of a nostalgia aspect for yeah, people. Yeah, it really doesn't it doesn't feel like the best game, but it doesn't feel like the worst game. I think that if I was going to sit down, you know, around Halloween and wanted to play maybe play something while you're handing out trick or treat candy. You know, you got a slow neighborhood, you got 5-10 minutes between trick or treaters, you could sit down and have some fun and play a game this would not be a bad night and i'm gonna say that 20 bucks is too much but that 10 dollars sticker on your game i pay 10 bucks for that in a box and it's got a nice manual i learned a lot about the controls reading the manual because it doesn't have like some annoying tutorial sequence in there oh yeah for sure man that manual is actually really nicely laid out with the buttons and everything and uh, it really does give a thorough explanation as to what everything does which is kind of not standard anymore so i would agree if you dude at ten dollars i would pick this up complete in box at 20 bucks i mean it's it's not my it is my style of game you know i love these types of games but it's nightmare before christmas if you got me like a fresh ip with that style of gameplay i'd probably pay 20 bucks nightmare before christmas is just so overdone and to your point man i see it enough in hot topic as is when i walk by and other stores like that I don't need to see it on my TV. Now, look at this. Look at the way better cover they got in NA in Japan. Oh, dude, that looks sweet. It's way better. We really got ripped off with this dumb cover. Yeah, I agree. Oh, look, it has a mace at the end of it for the... Uh... Yeah, you could see it in the cover here. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention to the cover there. <laughs> well, uh, that's what we played this week, folks. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and say Inflated. Yeah, I'm on the same path with you, man. Inflated. Um, but if you do want to buy it, buy it now because it is going for the lowest price that it's going to be going for. So do it. Yeah, for sure. So I think next week, Ryan, we should play Pamela Anderson on PS1. All right. Well, no, I can't... no, we, we shouldn't. I don't own it. But okay. I just I found that out recently. There is a Pamela Anderson game on the PlayStation 1. I think I may have heard of that. I Apparently it's good. It's got like four out of five stars. Okay, I definitely have not heard of it then. I, yeah, I haven't either. Um, <laughs> there's a few jokes I, I would have wanted to make, but I won't. What should we play next week? Do we keep going PS2 next week? Do we stick with the Halloween theme? Um, Hold on, entertain the people. Um, So I'm going to give a step-by-step -step synopsis here of uh, Ryan as he is looking at the PlayStation 2 section currently with an iPad in hand. Ryan, have you found anything that has caught your eye at this point in time? You can yell uh, in the distance. It's okay. What is this? Dark Angel Vampire Apocalypse. Blood and gore. Violence. I think this works. One player. We'll crack it on open. Check if it has any scratches before the people get excited. It does not... It is pristine, Ryan. I think we have a winner. All right. So next week we will be going through uh, what did what Dark Angel Vampire Apocalypse on PS2. Did you just pick it up because it said vampire and you're like, all right, cool, that's it. Oh, I was uh, I was trying to look it up real quick, but I figured that's all stuff we'll get into next week. Wow, we picked another middle of the road game. I got a good one for you. So remember when we played Vampire Night? Yes. I have a gun con now. Do you have two? I can pick one up. All right. We should definitely return to that at some point. I think that'll be a good one to do in a few weeks. Let me try and get my hands on a gun con here, a second one, and uh, we'll play it on the CRT we got in there and, and see how it goes. Uh, one other thing, catch us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Everywhere the media. Game Deflators, except for Twitter. Except for Twitter. We're just Game Deflators because they couldn't handle the the. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we are on Podbean, iTunes, Podcast Addict, everywhere you can watch or listen to a podcast. Leave We're us on there. reviews. We would love all the stars you could give us. And by all the stars, Ryan simply means no five. No less than five. No less than five. And uh, if you don't have anything good to say, just don't say it. Five but stars still only. leave us five stars. Exactly. That's how we'll know. Leave us five stars and don't say anything. That's how we know you'll disapprove because we won't look at it if it's a one-star review. Exactly. We will petition for... Now we can't petition for it to be removed, but only five stars. Uh, next week also, Ryan, 
is our uh, one-year anniversary one of recording. One year of the Game Deflators. Thank you to all of our many listeners out there. The, yes, there are the dozens more of you. and dozens of You're them. growing. Tell more people. That way you can talk to people about it. Isn't it the worst when you listen to a podcast and nobody else will listen to it? Well, guess what? Force them to listen to it and then you could talk to them about it. Not through illegal means, but force them somehow. Um, to point out to you, man, our uh, folks in the UK, they must be listening on a frequent basis because we're getting weekly downloads. So Go UK! Whoever's in the UK, we love you. And then Denmark also had a few recently and it's Go been consistent. Go Denmark! Uh, and who else we got? Our folks in Tennessee. We'll Tennessee. call them out. And Nevada's got some as well. We I go. don't know what happened in California. They just kind of dropped off all of a sudden. You know, that might be my cousin in Nevada. Is it? Maybe. 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 All right. Well, kudos to your cousin. If that's hey, who it is. Hey, if you're listening, cousin, thank you. And if you're not, come and, on, man. And, and if you are listening, where's your five-star review? Yeah. Exactly. Well, Ryan, I think we're done with this episode. So I'm John. I'm Ryan. And we are the, the Game, Game Deflators. Deflators.